All right, folks, what I want you to do is, is I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, we're going to look at the first five verses. And again, we're, we're doing a series called Our Life in Christ, Our Life in Christ. And I think this is a very timely series because, to be very honest with you, you know, I've mentioned it in my prayer earlier, we live in uncertain times and and well really disappointing times and to be honest with you people people are unsure about church unsure about christianity and faith and what it means and there's actually a lot of disappointment and suspicion about church you may not be aware of that but it's happening it happens right here in our community it's happening nationwide in our in our nation a suspicion about church and some of it is, to be very honest with you, some of the things that are being raised as concerns are legitimate. Some are because the church has lost its focus. And so we're doing this series, Our Life in Christ, because really the most important thing about Christianity isn't the church. Did you realize that? The most important thing about your faith is not Kerwinsville Christian Church, the building, the organization, uh, the incorporation with the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. That, that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is not what we do as a church and uh, what, is, what is our outreach or what is our, our programming or whatever. That, that's not the most important thing. The most important thing, to be very honest with you, is Jesus and your relationship with him. And that comes over and over in the reality of scripture and and it's easy in church i'll just be honest with you to lose focus of that and that just creates suspicion because so many people if you have been in church for a while you know people who have been hurt by church who have been disappointed in church and some have left the church. I'm not coming back there ever again. Forget that. I can do it on my own. And, well, let me, I'm going to give you two points here, okay? So the first one, I've just kind of mentioned it already. We live in an age where people have grown suspicious about the church. We live in an age where people have grown very suspicious about the church. So... That's in light of, I don't know if you've recently just, there's somebody just this week that's in the news. He's dead now, but it was revealed some very horrific, terrible things that basically his ministry doesn't matter. What he did and accomplished, what he wrote, means nothing. Because what he was doing in his private life was so heinous and so unreal that the, the reality is, is that it just creates suspicion. In fact, I saw a recent poll in Gallup, Gallup, I think it was Gallup or Pew, that said they were ranking people as far as who people trusted. And nurses are at the top. Everybody would agree with that, right? When you go to the doctor, that's who you mostly see is your nurse, right? You trust your nurse. Well, you know, the reality is that uh, pastors 
We're in the 30% range. Wow. Now, I, the article just went on to talk about how's that possible, blah, blah, blah. Well, I know exactly how that's possible. We're suspicious about church. We're very suspicious about church. W what do you mean? Well, you know, I was thinking, all right, so April 1st will be my 20th anniversary here as the pastor. So 20 years ago at this time in the history of our church, I was filling in the pulpit, going through the process of interviewing, they asking me questions, me asking them questions. And, and as I was preparing for this message, I remembered the question I asked, and I remember the response. I asked them, what direction the leadership at that time, what direction do you see the church going in? And there was a gentleman there. He's, he's no longer a part of our church. He hasn't been a part of our church for a long, long time. But his response was priceless. He said, I don't really know. We've had one guy come, and he told us to go here. We've had another guy come, and he told us to go there. That was followed by another guy who came, told us to go that way. He said, I don't really know what direction to go in. I just know I want to have church. Now, I've never forgotten that because that's where most people are at. They want to have church. Now, what do they mean by that? Now, you could spend a lot of time thinking about that, but I think when we get down to it, God already tells us what church is. We're going to hit it a little bit today in today's message. But here's the thing. Why are people so skeptical? Well, the, the issue is, is this is because in the midst of doing church, we've forgotten people. In the midst of doing church, we've forgotten people. So you notice what the guy said. This guy came, he said, go in this direction. This guy came, he said, go in this direction. Another guy came, he said, go in this direction. Hey, he could have said that about any church today in America. Why? Because it's all about whatever the, quote, vision is from God, which, by the way, is very scary when you think about it. Why doesn't God have the same vision for every same pastor who comes to a church? Why is it always different? That's not reflective of God. God knows what he wants to do with his church, right? And it's not going to change because the guy who's the pastor changes, okay? But so that creates skepticism. The other skepticism, if you talk to most people, what do most people that you talk to say about church? What is church only interested in? Your what? Uh, people are mumbling, they're afraid to speak. Their what? Money. And yes, that's true. We, we're, we're more concerned about butts in the pews and bucks in the offering plate. That creates what? Suspicion, right? Why is, that, why is that suspicion there? It's because we've lost our focus. We've lost what church was supposed to be about. Church is supposed to be about people who love Jesus being there to encourage each other in their walk with Christ. That's what it's about. It's about people. And so there's this suspicion. There's this suspicion. So 
you say, okay, George, well, that's interesting. How do we come to a proper perspective? Well, I think it's like what we're doing right now. We're going through Colossians where the whole basis of Colossians, Paul is trying to address some false teaching that is misguiding them and get them back to the center of what really matters. And what really matters, can I tell you what really matters? Is you growing in your relationship with Jesus. And us encouraging you to do that as you encourage us to do that. And we're going to see that today because Paul, I'll be honest with you, he's our example, right? He's the apostle. He's the one who wrote half of the Old Testament. He's the one who's telling us how we should be doing church, right? If you look at his example, I want you to notice what he's concerned for. You know what he's concerned for? He isn't concerned for himself. He's concerned for others. He's concerned for you. So let's look at these five verses together. It's going to be up on the screen. Paul writes this. For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Now here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to, we're going to look here and look at Paul's personal struggle. And you're going to be amazed what his personal struggle is. Usually when we talk about personal struggles, we talk about the stuff that we're wrestling with as far as our own personal lives. His personal struggle, you're going to be shocked by, isn't about stuff of concerning him. It's about other people. And then we're going to see the basis for the concern. Okay, You're going to see what is most important to him and why he's concerned for you and I. And I'll be honest with you, this is what church should be concerned about. This is what church should be concerned about. Okay, So, Let's look at this together. First of all, let's look at verse 1, the personal struggle. Here's what he says. For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, and as for many who have not seen my face in the flesh. Now, I want to remind you of something. This church, Colossae, as well as Laodicea, were not planted by Paul. There is no indication that he ever went to Colossae or to Laodicea, but that this, these churches were started by disciples of his from Ephesus who went there and started. So here he is, he's expressing a major concern, a major burden for these folks, and he's never physically met them necessarily. Isn't that interesting? If he were to go there, they probably wouldn't even know who he was, but he's the apostle. So I want you to notice a couple of things for them. He carried a burden for the well-being of others. 
He carried the well-being, but burden for the well-being of others. Listen, think about this. Notice what he says there. He's talking about them in Colossae and them in Laodicea. And then he goes on in verse 1 and he says, And as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. Now who's that? Yeah, us. He carried a burden for believers. Now, can I be honest with you? That stands so in contrast to the way things are today in the church in North America. What do you mean? Because can I be honest with you? Everything is tainted by self. Self. It's about the organization. It's about the ministry. It's about what we're trying to accomplish. It's about this and that goal and this vision and, and making sure that happens. Haven't you seen that? Am I the only one who sees that? It's about the ministry. Really? But what's the ministry supposed to be about, folks? What you achieve? Your ambitions? It's about what, folks? People. People. It's not about positions, what position you hold in the organization. It's not about how many people showed up to the event you planned. It's about people and a concern for them and about where they're at in their relationship with Christ. So he carried a burden for the well-being of others. Here's the second thing I want you to see. His burden went beyond those he personally knew. I already expressed that, right? He was concerned for the people in Colossae. He was concerned for the people in Laodicea. He was concerned for people like you and I who've never met him. Now, it's real easy. Can I be honest with you? I know because a lot of you have expressed that to me this week. Man, I am ready to get back to church I'm ready to connect with people. I miss people. I've heard that several times. I miss people. Why? Because we're concerned for each other, right? And it's easy to do that because we're a part of a body of believers here, a family, right? And so it's easy to be concerned for others. Well, listen, Paul's going even beyond that and to where he is concerned about people outside of the family. People right around them. People who need Jesus. People who have Jesus, but maybe they go somewhere else. He's concerned for them. He's concerned for their well-being. That, can I be honest with you, stands so in contrast of the world we live in today where everybody's got a right. And the whole issue of everybody having a right is about what you want rather than what's best for everyone. Do you know what I'm saying? And you can fit whatever you want to in that. I have a right to eat pizza. I did a couple nights ago with my boys. You know? So the, the point is it's got to be more than that. It's got to be you thinking about him being burdened for others, and that's what it was. So we say, okay, George, it's really nice to have a burden for others. What am I supposed to be burdened for them about? Well, he tells us right here, okay? He tells us right here. 
Look with me at verses 2 to 5. We're going to see the basis of his concern. Let's look at verse 2, first of all. Here's what he says. That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ. Here's a couple things I'm going to point out to you just from this verse. First of all, there was a desire for their encouragement and unity. He wanted them to be encouraged. And then he wanted them to be unified in what, folks? Love. Can I tell you what he was concerned about? He was concerned about the issue of the strength in their life. Now you say, well, wait a minute, what does that got to do with encouragement and unity? Well, encouragement is when you talk about encouraging someone, you're talking about encouraging them so that they have inner strength. Right? So when you're in the midst of it, and you're going through it, and somebody comes along, and they want to put their arm around you, social distancing-wise, or they send you a nice card, that really what? Encourages you. Now, what does that mean? Encourage you. You have, you draw strength from that, from in the midst of what you're going, and inner strength, right? So then when he talks about striving for unity and love, he's talking about another type of strength. What's that? Outer strength. I can face this because I have these people with me. And I have outer strength to face the things that I'm facing. So he's basically, listen, he he's, has a desire that they would have encouragement and unity. Folks, that is the first thing about church. It needs to be a place where you can come and what? Be encouraged and also have unity with people in the bond of love, right? That's what he's talking about here. So that you are strengthened. Because let's be honest. That's, can we not be honest? Life's rough. Life beats up on you. You may wake up Monday morning, tomorrow, all ready for the day, chipper morning person, yay! Get to work and there's a phone call. Are you kidding me? Or an email. Or worse yet, the person shows up. Do you know what I'm talking about? And there goes your week. And you come home that evening and you're just beat, you just want to veg. And there's all kinds of stuff for you to do at home. And nobody understands. And your strength is depleted. Here's the second thing I want you to see from verse 2. He points out that a complete understanding of the relationship with Christ is needed. A complete understanding. Remember I talked about this last week? I talked about, so oftentimes we think in terms of salvation as, well, I'm forgiven, and I know where I'm going. Look, there's a whole lot more to that in the relationship. Yes, it's important that you're forgiven. Yes, I understand that. Yes, it's important that you know that you're going to go to be with Jesus later on. But can I be honest with you? There's life in between. So I came to Christ in April of 1985, but this is 2001. 
Is all there is me being forgiven back in 1985 and who knows when I'm going to die? Is that all there is? No, there is a life in between that I live and I live it and I'm able to face it because I have Jesus. And I have a relationship with him. But for most of us, we don't understand that. In fact, we get so disappointed when the stuff happens of life, we wonder, where are you? Are you forgotten me? He hasn't forgotten you. He's with you. In fact, he even warned you that stuff was going to happen. But you can face it with him. So you need to have a complete understanding of him. How do you, need, how do you find that? by spending time with him. And what should the church be doing to help you with that? Helping you to understand that relationship. Helping you to grow in your relationship with Christ. So that when you face things, you can face them, but also be there to encourage others to help them face things and help them to grow in their relationship with Jesus. I had somebody in our church here in the last week expressed to me that he was facing a situation at his workplace and he, he approached it the way any of us would approach it. We, we, we try to do it on our own, right? Till the end of the week he realized God was in control and he was already at work handling the situation and what he should have done from the very beginning is what? Talk to God about it. And maybe his whole week would have been different if he had just communicated with the Lord. I thought that's powerful. Guess what? I learned from that because, look, there's a reason why I don't have hair anymore. And it's white. And it's not just because of my genes. It's because of stress of life, right? Look, here's the thing. Look with me at verse 3. Here's what he says. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Who's he talking about here? Jesus. Here's the third thing I want you to see here. Everything that is needed for understanding is found in Jesus Christ. Everything. You want to know about the intimacy of that relationship with him? Then look at him. Look at how he interacted with God the Father. Look at how he responded to the people around him. Listen, you say, well, you know, I, I kind of got this concept of God that if I do wrong, he's ready to take care of me. And yeah, yeah, but remember something. Remember in the upper room, Peter, before this day is through, before the cock crows, you're going to what? Deny me? Oh, I never do that. Yeah, you do that. And then what does Jesus say after that? But when you come back, but when you come back, can I tell you something? He wasn't beating up on Peter. He was affirming him. He understands. Can I be honest with you? I think everybody here knows we're human, right? I hope you do. And as a human being, you're going to what? Sin. You're going to mess up, right? That's not a shock to God. He knows you're bent. He knows the direction you go in. He knows 
your issues. And he helps you with them. Isn't that awesome? But so many of us have a wrong concept. Why? Because we don't have a relationship with Christ that is growing. And everything you need to know about him, you find in him. Read the Gospels. You want to know how Jesus is with people? Read the Gospels. By the way, when you read the Gospels, you find out that the most vicious that Jesus is with people is with who? Religious people. Hypocrites. People who say they're one thing, but they're something else. Here's the fourth and final thing, and this is very important. Look at what he says here in verse 4. And again, remember, the Colossians were struggling with this. He says, now this I say, lest anyone deceive you with pervasive words, persuasive words. Be on guard against false teaching that seems good and makes sense. That's what he's concerned about. That's, that's really what he's concerned about. He's concerned about you coming under the influence of false teaching. I'm concerned about that. You know, I have a prayer list that I work through uh, each week. And, and I have a, an area where I pray about four, I think I've added a fifth thing to it, but four or five different things that are negative influences, even right here in our, in our Christian world, right here in Clearfield County. Some of them, for instance, are very familiar, like the prosperity gospel. That's deceiving a lot of people. A lot of people are defeated because they don't think they have enough faith, because if they had enough faith, then there would be no problems. Well, hello. We live in a world where there are problems. Nobody is exempt from them, and the issue of your faith isn't the way you get rid of them. That's one. The other one is this whole issue that there's only... There's no trinity. There's just God. That's out there. There's another one that Jesus already came back, back a couple thousand years ago in AD 70. You'd be surprised how many people believe that one in our area. And so everything has already taken place. Really? Then why are we going through this? This isn't the millennium, is it? These things you and I need to be on guard of. In fact, you may be even shocked that you're friends with people who hold these things. Because nobody goes around and wears a sign that says, I believe something wrong. But they do influence. And for the Colossians, they had the most insidious of doctrines there. There were people who were denying that Jesus was human. Because the spiritual is good and the flesh is bad, so therefore Jesus could not have been human. So Paul is trying to address that in his letter a little bit. But he's concerned because these folks use persuasive words. What they say sounds good and, quote, it even makes sense. But it really doesn't when you put it up against God's word. And so he's concerned about that. See, you and I need to be concerned about that. And, and really what the church should be 
It's not that we should be heresy hunters. We're not talking about that. But the church should be a place where you are reinforced in the very basics and essence of your faith in Jesus so that when something wrong shows up, you know there's something wrong here. There's something wrong here. So what do we do with this? Well, I'm going to go back to the one point that I've been stressing to you this last few weeks. We're in week seven now. You have to decide to get serious about your relationship with Jesus. Okay, so let's go back to what I was talking about earlier. I talked about the suspicion that we have with churches and everything. Can, can I be honest with you? You know how you change that? Get a new preacher? Well, yeah, maybe. But can I be honest with you? How you change that is you change you. Because a church is who? It's not the preacher, it's who, folks. It's the people who are a part of the church, right? And, and, and the people of the church develop a culture within that church that should be expressing two things. The expression of helping each other grow in Christ primarily and then reaching out and helping others to come to Christ, right? That's, that's where it should be. And God is the one who brings the increase. God is the one who brings about what he wants to accomplish. But where does that start? It starts with you. But the only place that's going to start with you is if you get serious about what? Your relationship with Jesus. Your relationship with Jesus. And if you spend time with him, I'm going to tell you, that's going to change you. Because I'll be honest with you, I've met, I've been in church a long time. I remember when I was a young Christian, boy, there were certain people that were like, man, what is wrong with them? They are so mad and so angry. And they're just like ready to just dress somebody down. But boy, they can answer the Bible questions. I've since grown to learn now that there was a problem in their relationship with Jesus. How can you treat people poorly except that maybe the love of God wasn't in your life the way it should have been. See, this is reality. But you and I have to get serious about Jesus and about our relationship. And we all need that help. I need that help. You need that help. And you know what? If we focus there, if we were concerned for others like Paul was concerned, Our church will be completely different, wouldn't it? Let me pray for you.